Welcome to Talking Turns, where we take turns talking, and the talk takes a turn. My name is George Knapp. And I'm Lacey Polkadot Princess Atkinson. Just a friendly reminder, this podcast is rated M for Mature because it contains adult themes and language. It may not be suitable for people under age 18. Again, this podcast is for adults only. So today we're going to tackle a little bit more serious of a topic. Well, actually a lot more serious of a topic. Abortion's been in the news a lot lately, and um, we felt that we wanted to address the topic, and uh, we hope that you address it with us. The concept here is that we're going to start off by each presenting a monologue, and I'm going to go first because I think uh, women should have the last word on this topic, so I'm going to let Lacey have the last word. After we each give our monologue, then there'll be a pause, and section two will be a dialogue because I do think people of both genders, all genders, and people of all races, colors, religions, backgrounds should participate in dialogues on difficult subjects, including this one, which is a very difficult subject. There's a lot of ways to look at this subject. I've chosen to break it down into what I call three different um, fields of discussion. And the first field is pragmatism, reality check. You know, how does the world really work? Come on, people, get a grip. This is how the world works. The second view or the second field is the ethics, morality, and the law. And that's more discussing the history, legal, constitutional, moral, and ethical basis for why there should or should not be abortions. And then the last field is gut feelings, because we can be as intellectual as we want about topics, and nobody likes to overthink things more than I do. But I also have gut feelings about stuff. And so I'm going to end with sharing my gut feelings. Okay, so part one. The first field, pragmatism slash let's do a reality check. First and foremost, I believe women's health is paramount. Women are key to everything our species has ever and will ever do. A woman's health is critically important. And a woman's responsible to a large extent for her own health. And so I think that is just a fact. That's just pragmatic, down to earth, the way it is. Another fact that people don't like to talk about. Guess what? People will have sex they regret and or didn't consent to. This happens all the time, every day, every place in the world. It doesn't make it right, but it's happened from the beginning of humanity, and it'll continue to happen till the end of humanity. So get a grip. That's a fact. People will have pregnancies that they shouldn't. And when I say shouldn't, I mean that are dramatically unfair to the child, or unfair to the parent, even in some cases. So I think there is a place for should and shouldn't when it comes to having babies. Also, people will use abortion as a last-ditch contraception effort. It's not pretty. It's not necessarily the best thing in the world. But again, pragmatically, wake up, get a grip. That's the way the world works. Abortions have been performed, again, since pretty much the dawn of time, and they will continue to be performed either legally or illegally, no matter what we do. That results in another pragmatic problem. Back alley abortions will happen for the poor and the ill-informed. If a person feels they have no other choice, including no choice to go through with the pregnancy, they will find someone, somehow, some way, or even try themselves, anything from some witch doctor remedy to something a little bit more semi-professional, and they will have an abortion. For people that maybe have a little bit more information or have more money, they'll just go to another country. There are 
60%, 63% of the countries in the world, something to that effect. I did look the number up a few weeks ago, offer abortions legally with no waiting period. And 90% of those countries offer them to people from other countries, as long as you arrive on a normal visa. So in conclusion, from the field of pragmatism and reality check, my conclusion is excessive restrictions on abortions cause more harm and are ineffective than any good that could result. So that's my case number one against any kind of serious restrictions. Now let's talk a little bit about ethics and morality and the law. Okay. One of the things I hate most about humans is when one human intrudes on another human's body, their space, their freedom. It's something I find repulsive. Specifically, intruding on someone's body is a major deal. And the owner of that body decides who, how, when, where, and what the intrusion that they will are willing to tolerate, if any intrusion at all. Saving a woman, pregnancies from rape, and other valid reasons to stop a birth have to be considered. I can't, I'm not going to, I don't have the time nor the inclination to go into the hundreds of years of thought that's been put into this. But if you want to read books, there's plenty of books out there that talk about the ethics of morality. An embryo is not a person. A fetus is not a person, by definition, both legally and in some fields of ethics. Citizenship occurs at birth. Until then, no rights are conferred. So if one of your parents is an American, no matter where in the world you're born, you're an American citizen. If you're born on American soil, whether your parents are or are not Americans, you're an American. Those rights confer upon birth. They don't confer upon conception. They don't confer upon the time that your dad's testicles dropped. They don't confer upon the time that in the womb of your grandmother, your mother's ovaries developed and eggs were formed. They confer upon birth. A baby can't live on its own, even after full term. People talk about things like, well, when is the fetus viable? Point being is that a baby, even a healthy, quote-unquote, viable baby, needs care or it will perish. So then that brings up another thing. If a baby can't live on its own and if a mother or father can't or won't provide that care, is society willing to step up and take care of 100% of all babies that are born? If abortion is outlawed, I think it would be obligatory that our society takes care, proper care, fair care, equal and just care, regardless of race, age, religion, gender, 100% of all babies that are born. Are we willing to do that? I don't think we are. In fact, I know we're not. There's nothing to indicate that we are. And there's some questions I have for people who are full-blown anti-abortionists. Because to me, one of the key and important ethical issues surrounding any belief system is whether or not that belief system is consistent, internally consistent with itself. And I find that a vast majority of people who are quote-unquote pro-lifers, are horribly inconsistent when it comes to what pro-life means. For example, how many pro-lifers, quote-unquote, adopt kids at a, at a rate higher than the average population? The fact is, studies have been done, they adopt kids at a lower rate. Foster children, they tend to foster children at a lower rate. What about feeding kids, running food banks, supporting welfare? Do they do those things? It's unknown. There is no clear study. But based on political party affiliation and based on how those parties deal with things like social welfare, I would argue that at best, they don't treat people better. So they care more about someone who's unborn than they care about people who are born. That's the appearance that's given. Are they pacifists? Do they believe in war? If life is precious, if every life is precious, how do they justify bombing the crap out of brown people in the Middle East? What about capital punishment? 
If life is precious, if all life is precious, why do we kill rapists and murderers? Why do we kill people who have been accused of rape or murder and found later to be innocent? Why did we take that risk? What about equality of wealth distribution and poverty? Poverty equals suffering. Poverty equals death. Poverty equals early death. The life expectancy of a rich person is significantly longer than the life expectancy of a poor person. Are they willing to equally share all income and wealth in the world in order to give everybody an equal chance at life? I don't think so. Clearly the Republican Party, clearly the right wing of the American political spectrum, doesn't appear to value those things, but they claim to value life. So I find it hypocritical, inconsistent, and therefore invalid as a belief system. What about the use of deadly force by law enforcement? In some countries, law enforcement still doesn't don't, still don't carry weapons. Well, guns specifically, weapons that, that employ deadly force. Should our law enforcement revoke the use of deadly force in all cases because life's too precious? I don't think most quote-unquote pro-life people would support that agenda. Now, on the other side of the story, should doctors or can doctors refuse to perform an abortion if they feel that the baby's far enough along in term that they're uncomfortable. I would argue that, that doctors should have some ability to choose as well. That doesn't mean that abortion should be outlawed, but if a doctor chooses not to perform a procedure based on their own misgivings, their own ethics, their own beliefs, that's okay. I'm okay with that. What about the father? What about the child? What rights do they have? They have rights. Again, the child doesn't have any rights until it's born. According to our legal system, the father has rights for parental control and consent, but again, not until the child's born. Does the father have feelings? Of course, the father has feelings. Should the father have counseling available? Sure. Does the father have a right to decide what happens to another person's body? No. So the rights of the mother, in my opinion, supersede everyone else's rights. That doesn't mean everyone else's rights should be ignored. That doesn't mean that any tissues recovered shouldn't be treated with some level of decency and respect. That doesn't mean that the father's opinion shouldn't be heard. That doesn't mean that the father shouldn't be able to seek counseling. But in the end, the final decision belongs to the woman. So in conclusion, while no one that I know is pro-abortion, nobody finds abortion to be fantastic, wonderful. People don't have abortion parties. People don't celebrate an abortion. There are reasons that people are pro-choice. And I think I've covered several of the reasons in this field that I termed ethics, morality, and law of why people are pro-choice. Now to my gut feelings. So the field of gut feelings. How do I feel? How does this make me feel? As you can tell by my voice, it's very shaky, very nervous, very uncomfortable. I don't enjoy having this conversation at all. It's a difficult topic. It's really a difficult topic. I love life. I love my life. I love the lives of my children and my grandchildren. I like babies. Babies are awesome. I always refer to them as new humans. And I love new humans. But I support choice because I see no other alternative that is consistent with human nature, going back to the pragmatism and my personal belief system and the way our society is currently structured. So because there is no alternative, I think we have to err on the side of freedom, err on the side of protecting the woman's rights and the woman's body, and we have to support abortion rights because of that. The mother in particular, and women in general, have to have the final say. Thank you for listening. So, George told me to do my research before discussing this subject today. He sent it in a message online. His comment was received with a simple wow reaction. Coming from a woman, that means you are in some deep shit. No, really, don't ask me to research the subject. I don't need to. I know how I feel intrinsically. 
That won't change. I have a vagina and a uterus. I have known the fear, shock, and surprise that I was unexpectedly pregnant out of wedlock while living in the South with conservative Christian parents. Just to add a little more interest to my story, I'll tell you that my baby daddy was then and remains a conservative Christian. I have naturally birthed three children. Living my life is all the research I feel that I need to fully discuss this topic. Let me preface this by asking you, each of you, to listen to my monologue here until the very end. Don't quickly determine that you know where I stand based on one sentence or a chain of thoughts until I summarize them for you clearly at the end. When it comes to abortion, it's so hard for me to stay on topic without wandering because it encompasses so much, but I'll try not to digress, and if I do, I promise to bring the thought process back full circle for you to hopefully understand my reasoning. In high school, I wrote a poem about what it must feel like to be an aborted fetus. I spoke as the voice of a child, full of opportunity, full of wonder, and created specifically by a maker who I personally believe makes no mistakes. Fast forward 10 years, and at the age of 25, I became pregnant shortly after becoming engaged to my now husband. Now, I won't assume to be in the same situation as many other women who find out they are pregnant. It was indeed a life-altering shock. For me, for us, however, it was a blessing. We would have a child together sooner than we anticipated. But we had the resources and the stability required to care for this new life. We also knew beforehand that we wanted children together. We had discussed names long before we read those little pink lines on that EPT stick. I distinctly remember the first time I felt my daughter move. It was like a butterfly fluttering its wings deep within my belly. I second-guessed the feeling since I had never experienced it before, but it didn't take long for me to appreciate and know it was the sensation of a little life living within my own. I remember lazy Sunday afternoons with my husband, laying his head on my lap and reading, singing, laughing, to this tiny promise of hope that was growing inside of me. Each night, he read to me from one of the many books we had purchased so that we would be well-prepared parents. I can tell you in vivid detail the story of her birth. There was so much pink in that room. I had a special birthing soundtrack and even dedicated and coordinating seat cushion for the hospital's rocking chair. My story is of a child that was wanted. Most biological moms will proudly open up a discussion of exactly what her own birth story entailed. Women love to discuss them comparing and contrasting as these become our stories of empowerment and triumph. FYI, my last baby was nine pounds, nine ounces, born naturally, and temporarily got stuck. It was scary for a few minutes, but every detail is embedded into me, and I would gladly tell that story over and over. I am both proud and grateful for the experience. See, it's written into me to share this personal encounter. I understand that not all pregnancy stories turn into beautiful, rosy fairy tales, though. So let me put on my nurse hat for a minute and change my perspective. Let's discuss not what the mom me, but what the ER nurse in me has seen. I'll start with the naturally aborted fetuses. This is what most people term a miscarriage. These are the mothers who come in at 20 weeks with their hearts breaking, praying and hoping, begging, pleading, bargaining that what they know to be true just isn't happening. I've held these little ones in my hand, still warm, perfectly formed, yet lifeless. 
The image and feeling is not one that can be easily dismissed. Some moms prefer to never see, and other moms ask to have pictures. I respect the process. Because I believe in the sanctity of life, I feel that these tiny humans deserve just as much respect as ones who are a few weeks older and stand a better chance at life. So I hold their miniature bodies carefully. I lovingly wrap them just as I would any other baby as I hand them to their grieving parents. The parents must eventually leave the room, or I must go on about my professional duties. Time feels, though it should stand still, but it cannot. I have to set the fetus and my feelings aside. I fill out paperwork and place the little body of unfulfilled potential into a white bucket full of liquid preservative and close the lid. It seems unreal. I've also been in the ER when a young girl, or one of age, arrives devastated. She had an uncle, or a cousin, or a family friend betray her trusted men and the safety of her world. Life for her is forever changed. I have completed rape kits for hours in silence, or while compassionately offering comfort, and wondered what the outcome will ultimately be. I've seen parents bring in their 14-year-old daughters with abdominal pain, only to find out that their young girl who was just beginning to discover who she was, is now laden with a choice that will force her to grow up far faster than her parents ever dreamed. There are so many sides to this issue that it just disgusts me when we try to make it simple. It's not black and white. There's a massive gray area here. In the medical field, the life of a human is usually determined by the beating or ceasing to beat of the heart. Asystole, after all possible effort, means it's time to inform family, make phone calls for funeral home arrangements, and move the lifeless body to the morgue. On the other hand, get a pulse, with the possibility of brain death or not, hope ensues and we keep going with efforts to prolong the heart's rhythm. We agree here that life ends with the ceasing of the beat of the heart. Can't we then argue that life begins with one as well? During week four or five of pregnancy, Just a few weeks after conception, this inexplicable miracle occurs. Cells that have rapidly been multiplying all of a sudden amazingly align in such a way that a heartbeat begins. Do I consider this life? Yes. Yes, I do. I've seen the tiny little speck of a being on an ultrasound appearing no bigger than a grain of rice and thought to myself how very incredible it is for this mass of cells to be alive now. Would I ever have an abortion? Do I believe abortion is right? The answer to that is, for me, based upon my personal morals, values, ethics, and upbringing, undoubtedly no. I would not have an abortion. I would like to say I would not have an abortion no matter the circumstance. I feel inherently I have been born with the urge to protect and fight for any life inside of me no matter what. However, it could be very possible that my privilege is showing. I cannot voice the opinions of others because although I have metaphorically walked in many different types of shoes surrounding the subject, I am not you. I have not lived your experience. Do I believe the termination of the heartbeat is wrong? I do. Am I the one who will have to live with the consequences of your choice? No. So where do I draw the line? Quite simply, I draw the line when it comes to the government telling me what I can and cannot do with my own body. 
Yes, I realize that a woman fought for the bill in Alabama that brought back the subject, and we thought it had been finalized in the 70s with Roe versus Wade, but I don't believe she has the right angle here. Quite frankly, I wish more time were spent fighting for the lives that are already on this earth instead of wasting our time and resources trying to govern an act that occurred in dark alleys by butchers before it was legalized that will no doubt continue to occur whether it is legal or not. In the overall picture, it's difficult to think of my tax dollars going toward the fulfillment of abortion. Usually the place your money goes should lead to your beliefs. I would rather like to think of my money going toward the regulation of standards of health care for the women who choose this path. No matter what your personal choice, you deserve to be treated with dignity and with the highest standard of care available. Thanks for sticking with me, so let me summarize for you a bit, finally, since I've jumped all over the place a little bit. I personally do not believe abortion is okay, but I do not choose to condemn those who make this decision. I cannot assume to understand their personal thought process, experiences, or beliefs. Government has no right to control my body. What is the solution? Regulate the level of care provided for those who choose abortion. Stop spending money fighting it and instead turn to proper care of those who need it. Lastly, for those who are pro-life, which I think is an umbrella term, by the way, because I choose life too, but I think abortion should be a personal choice. If you want to make a difference... Look into your local foster system. I can guarantee there is a life there that already exists that can still be saved. There is a child who was discarded and needs love. If every human life is important, don't waste your money on markers and posters to make anti-abortion signs and spend your time in front of clinics where women who already feel terrible about their options are headed anyway. Take those markers and that poster board and the time you're going to spend that day and sit down to create some art with a foster child. Show them that the world is a beautiful place and that they are loved and wanted. Make a difference where it's needed most. Fight the war for the importance of life from a different angle. Most importantly, be kind to others. Thank you for listening to Talk and Turns. Music's been provided by Mr. Scruffy. Some photography's been provided by Photographs by Andrea. Please visit our website at www.talkandturns.com. That's www.talkntorns.com. Talking Turns is copyrighted. Any use of this material requires the expressed written consent of George Knapp. Opinions expressed on Talking Turns are solely those of the speaking participants. These opinions do not in any way reflect the beliefs or opinions of our sponsors, associates, employers, or other individuals associated with this broadcast. Again, thanks for listening, and be kind to yourself.